0: A reading day from John 6:30 through '59. I'll let you guys turn your Bibles there. They said, therefore, unto him. What sign showest thou, then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is which he cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they say unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will not wise cast out. I will no wise cast out. For I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me. I, shall lo- I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, and that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto him, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be, all taught of God, every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save which he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that he believeth on me, the hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did not eat manna in the wilderness, and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him, as the Father hath sent to me, and I live by the Father. So, that, so he that eat, eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your father did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. For these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Carpeneum. Um Jason asked me to share a little bit of testimony today about good things that are going on in my life, um, my family's life. And I think uh, it's really easy. It's really easy to find the good things like, oh, my kids are healthy and my family's healthy and there's all these little good blessings that we pray for every day. But I was going to try to shoot for something a little deeper and kind of give you guys a story uh, that went into that as well. And uh, I will say that my, I, we we're absolutely blessed that our kids are healthy. We had a little bit of the sickness that it seems a bunch of other people are suffering from. and um, But we were struggling for a while with... Uh, you know, my wife owns a small business, and I started a new job, and we've just been busy. We have six kids, and I think it's a blessing that we get to church every Sunday when we can with all the children we have. But um, we were struggling with child care. We had a We had a babysitter, and that was expensive, and it seemed like we just had all these things going on, and we kept praying about the right thing to do, um, you know, whether we find finances, you know, for this babysitter, or we just didn't know what to do and we kept praying about it for months and months and months and finally we got to a point where um we had to lose the babysitter. We we couldn't uh use her services anymore. And there was a lot of stress in our in our marriage and with our kids, and we just decided to pray and keep praying and keep praying and have faith. And then all of a sudden, all these things that we were so worried about, how busy we were, uh, it forced us to come home and spend time together because someone had to be home with the kids. I work a 24-hour shift and then 48 hours on. So my wife owns a small business. It made her say, all right, you know, I have to be home today. And then all of a sudden, she's getting more time with the kids that she didn't realize that she was getting. And we're getting more time together because I'm able to come home and, and, uh, and spend time with her. And uh, so it's, it's funny. Uh, God has a plan for all of us, and there's, this, there's levels to it. And on a small, you know, normal level, uh, the lower level, you call it, you can see it and then there's a level above that. I I, I was taught this one time. So it's kind of use the clouds. So if I look outside today, I can see, you know, we're healthy, uh, the lights are on our house, and we're eating good food, and we have a great church. But that upper level that you don't always see and you don't always understand is where God's at work in your life. And God removed her from our life, which she's a great person, there's nothing against her, but it brought our family closer and made our family stronger. And that's truly a blessing to the testimony I have today. So, I appreciate you guys' time for listening Amen. Six. I love seeing
1: other people involved in our church services and um, song-leading people giving a testimony. We were going to have a kids' choir, but we had some kids, a lot of kids get sick um, this weekend, and so I um, pray for um, several different families that weren't able to be here due to sickness And I was mentioning to one family, I was like, man, it seems like your family's been getting sick quite a bit lately. I go, what's going on? I go, we haven't gotten sick at all, um, all winter. And then right after I said that, we had the kids start throwing up. So, never say that. My wife's like, no, you didn't say that. You you caused that on us. (laughs) Um, um, John chapter 6, and we won't be too long. Today, and uh, and we already read the passage of Scripture, but um, this is a Scripture passage that deals with that has the passage that um, reformers, um, that Calvinists, would often use to um, support their doctrinal position. And so, we're going to show from the Scriptures that it's not saying what they think it says. Um, But before we get there, I'm going to reread um, a um, a portion of this back in verse 30. Uh, It says, They said, Therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What does thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. Is it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And so we see Jesus had just been with this group. This is the group that Jesus had fed the multitudes to. They fed the bread, um, the fishes, and, um, and then there were 12 baskets remaining afterwards. They saw this miracle. They saw the other miracles that Jesus did and healing people with diseases, incurable diseases. And yet Jesus came and magnified, declared, showed, manifested His power, His glory. And Jesus... Um, has pointed out to them that earlier in verse 26 he said, verily, verily I say, you ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, that you didn't come, you didn't um, you're not falling after me again, because you saw these miracles proclaiming me to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, to be the Son of God, but you can't you like the miracle, why? Because it was free food. Now he says, because because he did eat of the loaves and were filled. That's why. That's why you followed me. It wasn't because you were amazed at the power of God. That God would be manifest in the flesh. But because of free stuff. And that's what people are looking for from politicians today. They want the politician that says, we're going to give you free stuff. We're going to give you free colleagues. We're going to give you free food. And and that's what people, many people in the flesh gravitate to. Now, people with character and that have work ethic, that's not the desire they want. Because they know when, when they're working hard for things, that's going to be taken away from them to give to those that are unwilling to work. And even in the Green New Deal, that's one of the things they even put in there. It's just a political message, it's just a little piece thrown in. But they say, even for those who are unwilling to work. Not just those who can't work, you know, they have a disability, but even they want to benefit those who are unwilling to work. And you see how they scream and they cry all this climate change and all this panic, that they themselves are flying the airplanes more than you and I are. And so, very hypocritical. But so the nature of man in the flesh remains unchanged back then to today. They want free food. They want a free lunch. They, they, they didn't come to see the glory of Jesus Christ. They were simply following Him because He fed them with the loaves. And so they were wanting more food, and here we see in their questioning that they were wanting food again. And so you guys read, okay, first they asked, um, or he, they want to go, what sh- shall we do that we might do the works of God? And then Jesus said the work of God was to believe on whom we have sent. And then they're asking, what sign show us? What sign shows you? He already fed them from just a few loaves. And fish he just did that he just did other miracles and they're still asking what sign are you gonna show us they're wanting to see more signs and he goes that we may see and believe thee what does thou work so their attitude their mentality is okay what miracle what sign what are you going to do that we may see, and then we'll, you'll convince us to believe? Okay? Just take that note in. Okay, they're wanting to know, they're wanting to see, show us a sign, and then we'll believe. And this is what Jesus is going to be dealing with um, a little bit later, in that he says that, "...all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out." And in verse forty-four, no man can come to me except the Father which I have, which have sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, we'll get to those passages again a little bit later. But we see in verse thirty-one, they bring up a kind of sign they want to see. He says, "Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. It is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat." They're looking for food again. They're following Jesus. They're like, hey, you know what Moses did? He got bread from the sky. Do something like that. Let's see what you could do. And then Jesus said to him, verily, verily, I send you. Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. And Jesus declaring himself to be the bread of God, that he is the true bread of heaven, that the manna, that was in a way, yes, it served a physical need, but it also was a picture that one day God would send the true bread from heaven in the form of Jesus Christ. And so what Jesus ends up trying to teach them as well is, okay, you're saying, show us this sign and we'll believe. And Jesus brings out says, no, you're not going to believe just because you see a sign. That one isn't going to believe unless they are drawn by the Father. And so then this passage is the one, again, that Calvinists will use to say that that only certain people are going to be able to believe the gospel. And that the rest... Predestined to not believe the gospel, and so what is Calvinism? If anyone doesn't know, it's that it's the view that because man is totally depraved, okay, and we are, okay, there's none of us without sin, we are totally depraved in sin. But they take it another step further, and that they say, because man is totally depraved, he cannot believe the gospel unless. He was unconditionally elected by God to do so. So there's an unconditional election. And they'll refer to Romans 9. Um, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Um, but it's talking about um, the two nations that were um, stemming um, from him. But then he said also that Jesus didn't die for everyone but only for those whom the Father has chosen from the foundation of the world. And those whom the Father chose will be irresistibly drawn to Christ that they can't resist Christ, even if they wanted to. But they would explain it as, God changes the will so you are willing, so you would not be unwilling. While all letters. If you were not the ones chosen to be drawn, if you were not the one whom Jesus died for, then you will not have a chance to believe on Christ. Even if you were given the word of God, you don't have a chance because those people were chosen for hell instead. Called double predestination. Some Calvinists would say they don't believe in double predestination. They say, no man's just naturally going to hell and then chooses to save um, some. And so the assumption, though, is that God sovereignly elected, those who God sovereignly elected, will come to Christ, and the rest will not. Based on these two verses, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And in 44, no man can come to me, Except the Father which have sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so, now let's dive into the biblical context of what happened before this, and put this story together to see what Jesus is referring to. Um, basically, John six thirty-five to forty-five is a re-emphasis on his teaching, as found in John five thirty-seven. Um, go ahead and ter- um, turn back to there. Maybe it's already there. And so some of the people that are present here now were present at this time and um, is, is seen by Jesus where he brings up the word also. You also have seen me um, back then. But in John 5, 37, we'll go ahead and read the, um, these next 10 verses. It says, And the Father himself which have sent me have borne witness of me, ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom he hath sent him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe, which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuse of you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And so this is where we find Christ in Jerusalem telling the Pharisees that the reason they do not believe on him is that they had not previously believed on the Father. Now they claim the Father to be their God. But he points out to them that you're not following the Father's word. You're not following what God has taught. The Pharisees claimed to be followers of God because they were followers of Moses. But Christ said that ye are neither followers of God or followers of Moses. And therefore that they would not follow him either. Those that would have been followers of the Father would have been drawn to the Son of God. But because they rejected the Word of God, they rejected what Moses had written, they would reject Jesus Christ. The people approached Jesus, as recorded in John six thirty five. Um, are the same people that saw Jesus multiply the bread and fishes, as we covered earlier. And they were so impressed, again, with the miracle, not that it was a miracle, but that they, their bellies were filled, but that they wanted to make Jesus king. They want to make him king. And again, that's what they want to do today with politicians. Hey, they're going to feed us. We'll make them prisoner. We'll make them king. Jesus left them, but then they end up finding him again in Capernaum. Jesus Jesus points out to them that they were following him for the wrong reasons. That it wasn't the fact that he did miracles to prove he was the Messiah. They simply wanted to make him king just again so they could have the free food. In verse 28, the people asked the question, What shall we do that we might work the works of God um, that ye believe on Him whom he have sent? But in Jesus, in verse 36, says, But I said unto you, That ye also have seen me and believe not. That you've seen me. You've, You've seen the miracles. You've seen the mighty deeds. You've seen me, and yet you still believe not. You know, people today will say, well, if I saw Jesus, I would believe him. You have people that walked with Jesus that did not believe him. Okay, so this is, again, a reference back to John 5, 37. And it said, where again, it says, and the Father himself, which have sent me, have borne witness of me. That the Father, the God the Father, bears witness of who Jesus is. And so if the Pharisees and these people were truly indeed followers of the Father, the Father God, they would be drawn to Christ. He goes, ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you, for whom ye have sent him ye believe not. That you have not accepted his word. That if you had accepted his word, you would have been drawn to me. You would have believed on me if you accepted his word. It was in this context that Jesus speaks of those drawn by the Father, that they had refused to believe Christ's miracles, confirm who He was, because they were not following the Father. Those who follow the Father in faith are the ones that are given to the Son. It was in this context, likewise, that Christ began teaching that all those and only those who were given to Him by the Father would come to him the people did not like what they heard and began to murmur among themselves christ gave them further explanation no man can come to me except the father which have sent me draw him and what jesus is trying to point out to him is you are not following the father if you were following the Father, if His Word was abiding in you, you would be drawn to the Son of God. He explains how this drawing takes place. John 6.45 It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that have heard and have learned of the Father come of unto me. And so he is making a strong distinction. I know I'm repeating myself, so I just want to make sure you're really getting it. okay? That he's making a distinction that you are not followers of the Father. You do not follow God. But you're a child of the devil. How do people hear and learn from the Father? Is it based on being unconditionally elected by God like the Calvinist teaches? No, the answer again is found in chapter 5, in the 39. Jesus said, search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Jesus points out. And in verse 46, he said, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Now they assaulted Moses on the surface. But Jesus points out you do not even believe what Moses wrote. Moses wrote of the prophet that would be like unto Moses that would come, the one that would be Messiah. You don't even believe his words. And so if you are not believing the Father's words, you're not going to be drawn by the Father to the Son. Because you are not learning of God, you're learning from the traditions of man. You're learning from the rabbis of Judaism, but not from the totality of scriptures. That those who hear and learn from the Father are those who believe what is written in the Bible. These are the ones who will come to Christ. Those who do not believe the Bible do not believe the Father and therefore will not believe the Son either. Thus it becomes clear that John 6 is not referring to a Calvinistic election of some being chosen for salvation and others chosen to remain lost. Rather, this passage is teaching that it is impossible to believe in Christ Without believing in God's word. If one rejects God's word, they are not going to be drawn to Christ. Those who do not believe the Bible do not believe the Father and therefore will not believe the Son. Those that believe the Father's word are drawn to Christ. And we see this elsewhere taught in scriptures. We see in the account of the rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16, 31, that he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, the rich man said, You know what? What? what um, let Lazarus rise from the dead that he could witness to my brothers so they don't come to this place called hell, this place of torment. And Abraham tells them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. That's the same thing. They they will not be drawn to believe if they're rejecting the foundation. If they don't believe the word of God, if they don't believe Moses, they don't believe the prophets. That's the law and the prophecies from God. Because if they don't believe that, they're not going to believe even though one rose from the dead. And today, people reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ even though it happened because they don't believe the Word of God. They don't believe the foundation. So even though history, our calendar, um, um, artifacts... Um, Archaeology, all of these things confirm things in the Bible. They still reject it because they don't believe the Word of God is the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And as Jesus told the Pharisees, Ye have not heard the Father's voice. Ye have not the word of God abiding in you. One must believe the written word of God in order to believe in the living word of God. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to come unto God must believe that he is. It's okay, so not just saying, oh, I believe God. No, it's believe in God that He is. That He is who He said He is. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so who does the Father give to the Son? Jesus explains it in the passage of John 6. John 6, 40. It says, and this is the will of Him that sent me. Who, who sent Him? The Father. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which see of the Son and believe on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. The whole context is speaking about Christ being the bread of life for the world. He wasn't the bread of life just for the Israelites, just for a chosen select people, but he was the bread of life for the world. People will often use passages in Scripture to, begin to teach Calvinism to show their exclusiveness. They'll, they'll point to, um, okay, how um, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And we do see there is a time when, because of unbelief, God gives people up to a reprobate mind, where he you know it his spirit will not always strive with man. But we do see when Stephen preached the gospel, he said, Ye stiff-necked, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. And so God does allow his spirit to be resisted. That he's not just going to force us into a salvation. But um, with Pharaoh's heart being hardened, it was not to limit the gospel. It says that the name of the Lord would be declared throughout the whole world. So God used the unbelief of one man and continued to harden his heart not so only the Israelites would know that God was the Lord, but that the Egyptians likewise and the whole world would recognize that the Lord Jehovah, He is God. In Romans 9, Romans 10, 10 right after 9. The purpose of God's sovereignty was to lead people to see that Jesus is the Messiah. But he still gave them a choice to believe or not. In verse 32, it says Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If, what? Any man. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What's John 3, 16 say? And that whosoever believe in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so here we see in this passage that yes, there's a couple verses that Calvinists will use to say this is an unconditional election that are irresistibly drawn to Christ. But the context shows that what Jesus was pointing out was, you are not followers of God. That if you were followers of God, the Father draws them to the Son. Draws them to Jesus Christ. That if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Hebrews 2.3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape from the wrath of God? If we neglect so great salvation. If election was as the Calvinist teaches, an irresistible grace was true, how could the elect neglect salvation? How would God's elect neglect it? If if there few. And how could the non elect do anything other than neglect salvation? It would make the scripture in vain. Right, why would he say, okay, no, don't neglect salvation! But really, it's, you don't have a choice. You don't have the capacity to believe. Don't neglect it. Oh, but if you're predestined to neglect it, you're going to neglect it. There is any doctrine of grace that drives men to argue and debate more than it drives them to pursue lost souls and persuade all men to be reconciled to God. It is no doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to be soul winners. We're to be witnesses. We're to be going out. That the world can hear. That His name would be proclaimed. I had a guy that I was counseling before. He was a drunk. Um, this was at a former church I was at. Um, really had a problem with alcohol. And in the church, Calvinism started be, being taught. And then for, just through time, this man ended up saying, You know what? Maybe I'm just predestined to be a drunk. This is just how God predestined me. I'm struggling with this addiction because I can't change it. You see, when we accept that doctrine at literal face value, that is what it would be like. And yes, you know, if Calvinism were true, why go and preach the gospel to others? Now don't get me wrong, there are some Calvinists that are very evangelistic. And they do so based on, okay, God ordained us to go bear fruit. He ordained us to preach the gospel. And so they're still faithful to witness. And so this isn't to say that Calvinists don't believe in evangelization. Now, there are some that don't. Um, He was with with Willem Carey. That he had the Calvinists tell him, no, you don't need to go there. If God wants to save the heathen, he'll do it without you or I. When we accept Calvinism at its literal face value, it demotivates missions. There's no need for it. God has it predestined. God has it ordained. We don't need to be a part of it. Again, not every Calvinist follows it at literal face value. But you know what the thing is? People have a choice. You know what the drunk? He can repent. He can turn his life to Christ. Yes, in the, our depravity. Um, yes, maybe it, our flesh is not inclined toward that. But with the grace of Jesus Christ that teaches men to turn from ungodliness, that has a drawing effect. But many times we want to go in our temptation. The lost ones to crave that, they, they reject the word of God. And so they reject the drawing of the Father that brings people to Jesus Christ. And so study that passage out for some more. Uh, you know, when, when Calvinism was more exposed to me and being taught um, by my pastor, you know what, that was one of the passages I wrestled with was John 6. Okay, is this saying What it is being taught that. And it's many times, you know, with a lot of things, you know, in the Bible, and you know, it goes both ways, but a lot of times we would not believe certain things if it wasn't taught to us in advance. Okay, 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 one does not read the Bible on his own and believe that salvation is by works in the Old Testament. Okay, there are some that teach that salvation was by works in the Old Testament or works and faith. But we see both in the Old Testament and the New Testament that it's not by grace and works. That it's not in their midst. That if there's works involved, then it is not of grace. And it's the same thing with Calvinism. If someone just reads the Bible, they're not going to become a Calvin. Now, if they were taught in that tradition, you start to read the Bible with that lens. It's like if you're wearing red goggles, everything you see is going to look red. Now, we also want to be careful, too. If it's, okay, I'm an independent, I'm a fundamental Baptist, okay? Not a shame of it, okay? It was a Charles Bergen that said that his mother prayed for him to be a Christian, but she goes, I never prayed for you to be a Baptist, and he goes, Mom, God answered your prayer above and abundantly beyond what you could ask or think. Okay? Okay? So not nah, ashamed of it. But at the same time, as Baptists, when we read the Bible, we really need to make sure it's, what is thus say of the Lord? Okay? Not believe something just because we were taught it from man. Okay? Okay? Even believers baptism. Baptism by immersion. Okay, that's the hallmark of Baptist doctrine. But you don't believe it because that's what we believe is Baptist. You believe it because that's what the Word of God teaches. Now, if you found something in the Bible that teaches the opposite, that teaches infant baptism, that teaches sprinkling, teaches pouring, then we should all repent and change and not keep immersing people just because we have the Baptist name. No, you're not going to find that in the Bible, okay? But you could try, okay? You you could look for all that. Believer's baptism is biblical, but anything, okay? And we should believe it because it's what the Word of God teaches. Not because the Catholic Church teaches it, the Pentecostal Church teaches it. You know, there's been some things um, that... um, regionally, where some Baptists may have a particular view on certain things, where I would have become not as dogmatic on it. Because sometimes it seems like that that might be a little bit more of a tradition of man, based on maybe some biblical principles, but the Bible doesn't clearly teach it that way. And so there's sometimes some things I'm not as dogmatically on, and we'll say, this is my opinion this is why I think that. And there are some things where, yes, we maybe sometimes will change, will differ at times. You know, in the body of Christ, in our local body, you know what? Okay, we have our core, we have our statement of faith, but there's going to be some things that we see things a little bit differently. We're not trying to start a cult following where everybody dresses just like Pastor and his wife. Um, everybody eats and drinks what they have. I'm so glad I don't have to drink coffee with my wife. It's so disgusting. Moendex just needed to hear that again. She wanted to pretend she didn't hear me say that in Sunday school. But why would you want to put dirt in the container, th- and then you pour water in it, and then it comes out, and you think, oh, this dirt is so yummy. And so you add milk and cream to make it taste better. doesn't make any sense at all. I think Lester Roloff was right when he preached against coffee. Amen. I'm just kidding. But the Father desires to draw people to him. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Now the gospel, as far as bringing people to heaven, is exclusive. People can only get to heaven exclusively through the gospel. But the delivery of the gospel is inclusive. We see in the Bible there will be people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue that believes the gospel. I heard this quote and I didn't think I believed it at first. At first, I thought that was nonsense. But as I thought about it, I did believe it. Now, you know what? Missions exist. Because worship does not. If all the world worshipped God, there'd be no need for missions. They would all be worshiping God, but because there isn't worship, so this shows that you know worship is preeminent. You know, we're giving God the glory, giving Him the worth that He is due. But we go on missions because the worship of God does not exist with every individual. And so let's be witnesses. There's people in our own community that have not believed the gospel. And they don't believe the gospel because they haven't believed the Word of God. And so first, got to get them to accept the Word of God. And then, because faith cometh by hearing, by hearing the Word of God. And as people hear the Word of God, Not just our own words, not just our own testimony. Our testimony is a great thing. I love us sharing them with one another. Testimonies of God's goodness. But even the testimony of our salvation. Those are good to share, but faith doesn't come just by sharing a testimony. It comes by the word of God. And as you give your neighbors, you give your friends, you give your relatives, you give your strangers, you give your enemies the word of God. And you can pray for the working of the Spirit of God, the Father, to work in their heart. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear we Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have drawn us to you. That you've used the word of God, the word of the Father, to draw us to the Son. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your salvation. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be witnesses. Help us to proclaim your goodness to others. Help us to be ready to give an answer to questions. When people ask us Bible-based questions or uh, theological questions that maybe would not be biblical, but we could explain from the Bible why we wouldn't believe in different things and why we do believe in different stuff. But we just pray, Lord, that you um, bless the men's breakfast coming up this Saturday as well, and the one-hour work day to follow. And, and just pray, Lord, for your blessing upon that as well as upon our prayer meeting on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Shake hands, fellowship, be friendly.